This time, by far the greatest team, pre-season specials. Hello and welcome to By Far The Greatest Team, a podcast in which football fans attempt to decide once and for all who is the greatest football team of all time. My name's Graham Dunn and together with my fellow self-appointed arbiter of football greatness, Jamie Rooney, and our guests over the various weeks, we have covered over 13 dedicated podcasts and an end-of-season review. We've put 28 teams under the microscope of greatness. Each week, we place them into one of five primary categories of greatness, from all-time greats to the top, through true, true greats to touch of greatness in the middle, before dipping down to edge of greatness and our bottom of the tier category, blinkered greats. You can check out all the teams and our rankings so far at our website, chewingthewildrover.com. Do keep in touch, do keep listening to the back catalogue, and before we speak to you again for the prime season, Enjoy our pre-season friendlies. So our pre-season game today, we are going back in time and we're going back to almost, not quite the dawn of football, but the dawn of collective sport. We are going to, and we're going to Canada, of all places, a place called Galt. I don't know if it's still called Galt. I think it might be called Cambridge now. Um, And why are we going there, Jamie? Yeah, you're you're right. It, it is Cambridge. Galt, I think, is a suburb, as I think they're called in North America, of, of Cambridge in Ontario. And we're going there because Canada were taking part in the Olympic Games in 1904. And football, associated football, as it was called then, soccer, was an Olympic sport. And it had been an Olympic sport since 1900. And Galt were the team that was sent by Canada to represent Canada in the football in the Olympic Games in St. Louis, Missouri. This is very much in the origins of the Olympic Games and the Olympic. I mean, 1904, I think, is the third uh, set of Olympics. Uh, so we, we, we're very early on in, um, in this and very early on in the football element because there are only three teams that take part. And <laughs> am I right? Two of them are from St. Louis. They are indeed. We're back to travel distances. We've we've covered this a number of times in the incredible distances that teams have travelled. I mean, this is before the, the the brilliant West Auckland that we've talked about previously, where they travelled down to Italy, and that was a mammoth journey. So, for for teams to participate in the Olympic Games, or for people to participate, as it would have been in the Olympic Games in 1904 in St. Louis, Missouri, in North America, would have been a pretty big journey just to get to, to the United States from Europe. <laughs> would have been a big journey. And then you've got to go overland to uh, St. Louis as well. So it would have been a journey. But you're right, Graham. This is a really interesting time in terms of um, how sport was beginning to organise itself at an international level because the Olympic Games had kicked off uh, in 1896 in Athens, uh, the rebirth of the Olympic Games. And also in 1904, FIFA, that football organisation, had formed and set itself up. So international sport was just beginning to organise itself at this particular period of history. Yet, with my uh, concise and insightful mind, I've, I've realised that Galt are not a country, are they? 
Good spot. It's a good spot. No, Gulter football team, they were selected from a number of teams in Canada. So Canada, I mean, this. I know we're trying to keep these short and I will try to be as succinct as possible. So Canada has a, a good relationship with football at this particular period. So we can run this all the way back to British Empire. So the Brits are everywhere around about, you know, the 1800s and 1900s. The British Empire is everywhere. And wherever the Brits go, they take their games with them, cricket and football. It's time and place, really, because... The US had already kind of got an idea of what football was and they'd shaped it. And this is when the rules were still being formed in around about the 1870s. So they shaped it into what we know as American football. And the college, the colleges adapted this as like the sport of the elite. Football, many people may not realize, was an elite sport. It was the public schools that, you know, were responsible for the distribution of football. They organized it and football was very much considered an elite sport. But by the point when football was trying to grow in North America, Harvard, Princeton, Yale had already established American football. And Canada, being a very close neighbor, had adopted this, possibly as well, a little bit of angst against the Brits. They don't want to follow the hmm. Brits. So football had kind of migrated into what was called the Western part of Canada. And the Western Football League was set up in Canada. And it was a league really around Ontario. And there were a number of teams playing in Ontario and Galt was one of them. It really came down to a number of teams that Galt were competing with to go to the Olympics in 1904 into St. Louis, Missouri. And they were the best team in their group. They'd beaten a couple of teams and some teams didn't fancy their chances, so they forfeited. Interestingly enough, there was another team called Berlin Rangers, which is also an area of Ontario. And an interesting fact about Berlin is that it had a referendum in 1916 to rename its city. They didn't think at the time, with a war going on in Europe, that Berlin represented the name of their city. So they had a referendum, um, which I think it was 52%, 48%. which Uh, 52-48%. Yeah, they they proceeded to to change the name, which seems bizarre. I mean, when the margin's that that fine, it seems crazy that you Mm. would make a decision on that, right? Um, (laughs) And they changed changed the name to Kitchener. But at the time of this particular period going to the Olympics, Berlin Rangers were a pretty tasty team, and they had the measure of Galt. But um, Galt were the team that were successful to go to the Olympics, and they travelled down, as you rightly said, to play against uh, teams from the St. Louis area to win the Olympic football. And they won it pretty comfortably, didn't they? And this is for me is one of the one of the most glorious things about this is the is the schedule that they that these games are played on. So um November the sixteenth, Galt play one of the St. Louis teams. I think they play uh, the Christian Brothers on the sixteenth of November. And they win that one seven nil. Then <laughs> uh, on the seventeenth of November, they won four nil against uh, St. Rose Parish. So um, just the 11-0 swing over two games on consecutive days. And it's a round-robin tournament, isn't it, uh, the way they set it up. And one of the things we have followed on this podcast is needless and pointless games of football. I think this is this is right up there for it because you might think, you know, playing the third game in the round-robin when uh, it is already clear Galt have won it, you might, you know... It's a bit like playing the old third, fourth place playoff. Can you get the motivation? And in fact, you could, and they obviously couldn't because it was nip. That one finished nil nil, <laughs> and then they had a replay. <laughs> they had to go and play again. <laughs> Two teams with 
no uh, chance of getting anything other. I, I suppose you could argue maybe that maybe they're maybe they're playing for the silver medal. Isn't that sort of a thing then? But it feels like you're going through the motions to do that, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think there's some contention whether they actually did receive medals. Uh, there's a story that maybe they got them or they kind of tried to get some kind of recognition for their success at the time. But there's also a story that they got some kind of recognition and medal award when they got back into Galt. But yeah, so there's a there's a bit of a gap in history in terms of whether they did actually pick up any medals. That Galt side is actually was, was really quite impressive, but only for a relatively short period of time. Cambridge, the city of Cambridge, Galt, was a bit of a hotbed um, for football. Galt were the big team, though, because they, they went on this tour. There's a, there's a fascinating website, a guy called Colin Jose, Jose um, who does Canadian soccer history, and he talks about all of the areas where soccer and football was, was grown. So this particular team, Galt, they went on a tour to Manitoba in 1903, and they ended up playing, I think, 18 games or 17 games, I think it was, in a 25-day period. And they won all of them with the exception of one, which they drew. And it's quite impressive because they were playing, consecutive. I think they did seven consecutive days or six consecutive days in a row where they played a game. And they were still absolutely beating everyone in front of them. So football is forming itself in Canada at this particular point in the uh, Western Football League. And goal are the, the 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 top team. So they they had previous. They didn't go to the Olympics as novices. They went there as a a pretty well shaped team. And yet they don't exist anymore, do they? Well, they stopped existing for a while. But there is a goal football club in Canada. It's a youth team. They exist. So the the name is very much being used. Whether it's the same goal that won the Olympics, I don't know. There's definitely a marketing opportunity for them there. And uh, maybe they have tapped into that. But there is a golf football club. It exists in Canada right now. They are uh, the Olympic champions, 1904. Are they the first Olympic champions? I guess that's my question to you. It's a really good question. So in the 1896 Olympics in Greece, football wasn't a sport. But in 1900, when the Games went to Paris football became an Olympic sport. I think they called it a demonstration sport, but there definitely was Olympic football and Great Britain had representatives in a very similar style to gold that went to Paris and won the Olympic gold. So this is Upton Park, isn't it? Upton Park is the team that went to the Olympics in 1900 to represent Great Britain and won the gold medal, metaphorically. This in itself is a, is another extraordinary story. In in this one, actually, again, I mean, the group system was very odd because there's, there's teams from France and Belgium. And on this occasion, what I can tell, Upton Park beat both the French and the Belgium side. And then the French and the Belgium side don't play each other. I, I think they decided, what's the point? We can just go off and have a croissant and a coffee somewhere. Why do we need to exert any energy playing this football match? Upton Park don't get any... They don't get any medals for sure at the time, do they? And it, because this is a demonstration sport rather than part of the Olympiad itself. That's correct. It, but history, if you look at the Olympics football tournament previous winners, you will see uh, joint first with Hungary is Great Britain. And one of those victories is Upton Park. And I think we probably should clear up, just in case anyone's curious, that Upton Park are not a team that <laughs> came West Ham United. 
they were a, a team in their own right that played. Uh, I think their ground was was it West Ham Park? West Ham. I think West Ham Park. Yeah, yes. there you go. So there's a strong relationship, but they are not West Ham. They are their own independent football team that is sadly now dissolved. Yeah, it's an extraordinary story. I, would, I assumed it was one of the same, but no, totally different. I was also delighted to learn that, as happened a lot, because obviously football is amateur, but the um, the Olympics is all amateur, amateur as well. And so there's a lot of kind of pulling, you know, players together to, to go for this uh you know, it's a bit of a, a drag together. And I was delighted to discover that one of Upton Park's players had come from the brilliantly named Crouch End Vampires, who I think still exist today. It's, <laughs> uh, which, I mean, is, uh, that name is that's light years ahead. That's kind of Big Bash 100 territory, isn't it? They could really be up there is. with the uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies. They, they're definitely on your list of favourite sport, sporting team names, for sure. And after part, there is football owes quite a debt to them, don't they? Because they were responsible in the eighteen seventies for you know a pretty fundamental rule change. Uh, so they are the ones who decided wouldn't it be a good idea if not everyone could pick the ball up? <laughs> so we've we've had this when we talked about Sheffield FC <laughs> when they went down to Battersea. You know, I think in the very first episode. <laughs> We talked about the, yeah. the, 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 the game allowed handling. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. This particular <laughs> team put their hand up and decided, hold on, should we just limit those who can touch the ball to the goalkeeper only? It's a fantastic thing. It's a fantastic thing. So I mean, that, re- that really is quite an impressive, uh, impressive element, isn't it? So I, Upton Park themselves, certainly quite a lot of, le- a lot of legacy they have. I suppose we should probably start thinking, though, we're not talking about Upton Park, even though I've uh, drifted onto them. We are talking about Galt, who I should I should say, and we'll put a picture on the social, have a fantastic kit, don't they? Oh, it's fantastic. It's beautiful. They've got their name in great big letters written right across and just shows you when you, when you limit a name to, you know, less than five letters, you can actually fit it on your shirt in big bright letters. <laughs> It's absolutely huge, and they've got kind of polo necks as well, so they look like um, uh, fancy tracksuits on, but I doubt that is the case. And then I'm assuming it's the goalkeepers have the black and white reversed. Yeah, it is, and uh, they do look really heavy. They look really heavy tops, but I guess this is like, you know, in the early days where, uh, you know, technical innovations in terms of football (laughs) kits or boots um, hadn't (laughs) even been a four off so they were they would have been playing in some heavy heavy stuff i think for the legacy it's a really good point you, you, you know we've talked about there is a juniors team that exists now but canada and football the relationship stopped for a long time uh, ice hockey became really prevalent in terms of the cultural sporting fascination in canada and it's suited to the climate you know this is a country that mm. spends most of its time in darkness under snow so you know grass pitches aren't always available so football and uh, Canada didn't really get on at the early days so the legacy of football even though they're Olympic champions is is, is kind of gone and the, the short-term legacy was that I don't know if you know Graham they played in 1905 the year after they were Olympic champions uh, so on their golden period of being Olympic champions they played this traveling team from England called the Pilgrims don't think it was George Harrison and the Travelling Wilburys. I think it was a bit before <laughs> that. But it was a team made up of various band members from different teams. And it was pitched 
time. It got quiet on news coverage. It drew a crowd of three and a half thousand people, which was a, a tidy number back then for Canadian football. And the game ended Galt three, the Pilgrims from England three. Um, so they shared the spoils, but also for Galt, it kind of cemented the idea that they were Olympic champions because they're playing a team from England. England was still considered the, the best well, with Scotland, I should say, um, were still considered the best mm-hmm. nations at football that particular period. That short-term legacy for Galt, they were able to kind of live on. But, um, you know, a few years later, Great Britain would again win the Olympic gold at the 1908 Olympics. When you think about legacy as well, I think the other question about the legacy has to be football and the Olympics as well. So... You know, that's always been something of a well, sort of a weird competition, a bit like, um, well, it's a bit like the uh, Carabao Cup, where only Man City take it seriously. You know, some teams <laughs> are taking it seriously with their proper proper squads, and then other, you know, it's, it's, it's really quite, really quite random. But um, so football in the, as an Olympic sport, whilst it's been going 100 plus years, but it's still never fully really taken off, has it? I think outside the shores of uh, Great Britain, it definitely garners a lot more profile. Um, I mean, if we go back right to the 90s when Nigeria won the gold medal, that was a big deal. It was a big deal when Argentina won it. Mm. And Brazil, the most ex- successful football nation Brazil, of all time, uh, when they finally won that gold medal at their home Olympics in 2016, that was celebrated as if they'd won a World Cup. So I, I think it means more to others i think the issue that we have in the united kingdom is that we compete in at sport as england scotland <laughs> ireland and wales and then when you go to the olympics you're great britain so we're we're joined up for a, a couple of weeks and i think that in itself represents some kind of conflict of interest and probably why football doesn't carry such gravitas even though great britain have won it three times you say uh Brazil celebrated like they won the World Cup. It seems harsh because they do quite often win the World Cup. They don't need to celebrate the Olympics <laughs> and the, uh, as if they win the World Cup. They win the World Cup all the time anyway. Yeah, not since 2002. <laughs> They're on a bit of a run where they haven't yeah. won it. So. But yeah, dry spell, they won dry spell. two Olympic golds um, in that time. So they defended their, their title in Tokyo as well. So what category are you going to put Galt in? <laughs> I, uh, for me, they're obviously split between... I don't even think you can put them uh, in the not great, but without them, we wouldn't be where we are today because I'm not quite sure where we are today. I think they have to go as probably Blinkered Grey. Won't you wait to win? Blinkered Grey. No, I'm going to go Blinkered what, what about you? Yeah, I'm with you 100%, Graham. I think it's a kind of, it's a, almost like a blink and you've missed it moment. It is very kind of uh, narrow in terms of its um, profile. I don't think it's um, something that. Canada really celebrates as a nation um, being Olympic gold medalist in, in football, although um, the women's team is doing exceptionally well these days. And I think the men's team is catching up a little bit as well. Yeah, Blinker Greats is, is the best. Uh, it's either Blinker Greats or we create a seventh bucket uh, or a second <laughs> bucket. <laughs> Not great, but without them, we probably would just carry on as we normally do anyway. <laughs> exactly. So there we have it. Gault FC. Blinkered greats. So that's all we have time for this week. A reminder, the full podcast returns in all its glory on Thursday, the 3rd of August. 
In the meantime, look out for our weekly pre-season friendlies and a reminder, you can contact us on all our social channels and we'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, like, tell a friend and pass on our details. And we'll speak again soon.